Revelation 22, 1 through 7. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the streets of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kind of fruit, yielding each fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps these words of the prophecy of this book. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll be in Revelation 21 and 22 today. If you have your Bible open there, very back of your Bible, Revelation 21. It's insane. Our world around us is just going insane. It's crazy. It's insane. When you have a whole culture that is completely narcissistic. And by that, I mean, when I say the word narcissistic, I'm saying somebody that has an inflated value of themselves, thinking the whole world revolves around me, and there's an excessive love for self, it just goes insane. Conflict. Conflict. when, 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 it's, when, it's, when it's not going my way, we throw these Karen moments that take over the internet. Everybody's just throwing a temper tantrum. Why? Because I'm not getting my way. And there's division, there's distrust, there's anger, revenge, rules. It's all about reparations and getting even, getting my fair shake. And perversion is piled on perversion more and more And we're just going, this is crazy. Our world is insane. What we know is evil is now being promoted as good. And what is good, based on what the Bible says, is mocked and shunned as evil and we have to do away with that and that's that's against the rules against uh, against our culture need, they need to be put away the bible prophesies that that which is good is claimed as evil that which is evil becomes that which is good so my question is how can we possibly keep from being pulled down 
into the insanity of this world around us? Does that question come across your mind as you see it hitting you daily? And the problem is we, we become so consumed with the way things are, we begin thinking that's the way things are, and then we lose hope. Have you looked into the eyes of a, of a Christian teenager? This, this breaks my heart. A Christian teenager in our day, just look into their eyes and, and look, what, look what you see there. That teenager's mind is filled with question marks. What's reality? What's going on? What can I count on? What can I know? What can I, where, where can I have any hope? And there's this fear of, of life. I think we have a responsibility to point the way to what God reveals as the true way of hope. And, and we don't have to give up. And there's a better day coming. We've been singing about that. I love your singing as a church congregation. That, if I didn't have to preach, I'd still come just to hear your singing. All right? This is good. But I think, I think the answer is to get real about heaven. And heaven, my friend, is real. It truly is. The problem is we don't really have an accurate view of what heaven is like. We, we, we tend to think that it's, it's kind of boring, like floating around on a cloud playing a harp. Sorry, Jan, she's not here today, but I, I, if she's watching. Those harps are heavy, <laughs> and they are very hard to play. And they're beautiful. But heaven is so much more than our preconceived concepts of this. And the Bible gives us so much information. Over 500 verses about heaven. And we'll look at some of these here in just a few moments. But but we really need to wrap our minds around the mind-boggling truths about the glory of heaven. Mind-boggling truths. I like this. Truths about heaven that just go, wow. Let's think about this as we look in Revelation 21 and 22 here in just a moment. And I really hope to help us discover a thirst and a value in the things that we find that are revealed in Scripture as we wrap up this series that we've had on heaven. This has been my goal, uh, to set our mind on things that are above and and to start uh, having this anticipation of entering into the joy of the Lord and realizing that it's paradise it's not lost. God has it prepared for us, the real deal. And, and it's going to be a party that just goes on forever, the forever fantastic, awesome, whatever it was. <laughs> that party, we can't wait for this. As we wrap this up, we want to look in detail at some of these mind-boggling realities about heaven. This is real. Heaven is real. When I was a young teenager, something that really helped me grasp reality is someone emphasized to me a particular verse, and I'd like to have you look at it. It's not on the screen, but it's in Matthew chapter 6, part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. If you have a Bible there in front of you, it would be on page 600, excuse me, 761 in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your Bible there, Matthew chapter 6. We read in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, so those realities of what we have on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, rather, or but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So this is what's really important, 
treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your, heart, your heart will be also. Learning to value and anticipate the realities of heaven gets us through life. And that has been a great help for me personally. Okay, what's here on earth, that's going to rot, that's going to rust, it's not going to last. Heaven is what's worth it, what's valuable, and I'm not going to ever lose it. Let's learn to live in that reality. Let's dwell on that together this morning. Let's learn to treasure the mind-boggling truths about heaven, the glories of heaven. Now, I need to warn you, this is going to be like a, a fire hose coming at you, just, just blasting. So much content to cover here in these next few minutes. And I know when I get into that mode, sometimes it's like, whoa, I can't take anymore. Slow down. All right, well, I've got to keep on moving with this. All right, so it'll be a fire hose. So you have a place to follow along there in your handout, your bulletin, and, and you can take some notes and come back and watch it again another time if you so desire. But, but I hope that the, the lights will come on and that you'll be able to get this. Let the scriptures, reality is we have so much to cover. Most of the illustrations will come straight from the scriptures because there are some pictures that are being drawn here for us that will help us go, wow, that's mind-boggling. Lord, would you help us today to praise you and to come away from here saying, <coughs> holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Lord, we've been singing this that there will be, will be a day that we will be before you, and this is reality. We're going to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. I pray, God, that you would encourage us, because every one of us here knows we're sinners. We don't deserve to be in your presence, in your heaven. But thank you, God, that the Lamb has come and won and conquered like a lion roaring with victory. You've won the day. It's done. I pray that there would be a reality within us about the hope of heaven because of what you've done. And I pray that there would be many today that would be encouraged because of what you've done and what you promise that we can look forward to. May that give us perspective that justice will reign and it will be right in spite of how our world is today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're considering the mind-boggling truths, facts that are laid out for us in Revelation 21 and 22 about heaven that are going to get us through this day and keep our brain <laughs> intact and not become discouraged with the world that's so wicked. Number one, Revelation 21, verse 1, we'll see what we presently know of the heavens and the earth the universe, it'll be gone. What we presently know about everything around us, our <clears throat> universe, the heavens and the earth, it'll be gone, including the sea. Look at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth from heaven, the first, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It was gone. And the sea was no more. Now that's mind-boggling. I don't get that. But that's what's revealed. The first heaven and earth will pass away, and it will require destruction. And the Bible describes a little bit of that, about how that will take place. We read in Isaiah 65, verse 17, For behold, 
I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall, be, shall not be remembered or come into mind. It won't even cross our minds what it used to be. <coughs> because there's something better. Jesus said this too. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, right? That wasn't just an idea. It's a reality. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So God designed this universe, everything we know, to be temporary. In fact, scientists are concerned because the sun is getting old. So am I. <laughs> Not as old as the sun, but it's getting old. And it's the, the elements there to keep it fired up are running out. Eventually, we read in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So our whole creation was made by God in Jesus Christ, this person that we know of as the Word. And we read in Colossians that he is before all things, and by him all things are held together. By him all things consist. Now that goes totally contrary to what our world teaches us, that there is no God, and it just kind of happens, and we don't know how it holds together. We know that God, in His power, and according to His authority, holds it all together. But there is coming a day, according to Revelation 21, verse 1, it will all be let go. And once He stops holding it, it's gone. He will release it, and fallen creation will disappear. So we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, another passage that is worthy of our attention with this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, we read, Since all these things uh, are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? We ought to consider this. You see, you and I, <clears throat> we're going to live somewhere forever. Every one of us. Are we going to be in that new creation? How should we then live? Well, live knowing that heaven is real. And by that, I mean it's eternal. That which is eternal is that which is real. Learn to live for that. There's more of that to come here as we unfold this passage. The second thing I want us to see that's just mind-boggling, this truth, is this. Heaven will be new. Not just will everything be gone, but heaven will be new. New as in this word that we looked at last week, kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S. There are two words in that language. One means new as in according to the schedule, and one means new as in something of a new design, a whole new thing. New of a different kind. That's what this word new is here that keeps showing up. And when they read that word, it made sense. Oh, so this is something new of a whole different way. Something that looks familiar, but it's even more than that. We love new things, don't we? I love new things. But the problem with new things is they get old, don't they? Several years ago, something happened that has never happened in my lifetime. I doubt that it will ever happen again. We were able to get a brand new car. It was paid for. It was a brand new car. Wow, and I was so excited to have this brand new CRV, a Honda, and they're supposed to last forever, right? At least 250,000 miles. They just, this is so good. And I just riding around kind of like, everybody look at me, I've got a brand new car. Yeah. And it wasn't a week before it got a scratch on it. 
I was, I was, I was kind of ticked. But it kept on writing, so that's good. And then it got a little scuff here, a little, you know, a scratch there. And, where the, and my, 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 you know, somebody would get into the car, <laughs> and there was always these these marks that where the the door kind of bumped up against the leg that was, you know, the the shoe, and there was these scuff marks on it. You know, it couldn't be me. They wash off most of them. This car is going to last forever. We're going to, and we, we, we were doing everything we could to keep this car brand new as long as we could. And we only have like 60,000 miles on the thing. And the transmission goes out this spring. It's gone. That's not right. My brand new car isn't running anymore. It's going to cost $7,000 to fix this thing. It's, and I, new things don't last new anymore, do they? They all run down. In the last six or seven years, how many phones have you had in your pocket? They go through those like, like, like cereal boxes. I mean, they just come and go. New things don't last, do they? In heaven, it'll be new and a new way. It doesn't get old. I love this. God says, I will make a new heaven, and these things will last forever. Back in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. But according to his promise, we waited for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'd underline that word and do a little word study on that. That's a cool word. But I want you to note that this idea of something that is righteous, that is residing there, it's taken up home and residence, it's in the present active. In other words, it's going to keep on keeping on being brand new righteousness. It never gets old. Apparently, the second law of thermodynamics will not be part of this new creation because things won't get old. Isn't that encouraging? We won't get old. It will be a new universe with dimension and substance, similar yet very different. Again, similar, we'll recognize things, but very different. Life will be different. A different climate altogether, a different composition. We read here in Revelation 21 verse 1 that the sea will be no more. Huh. How does that work? Because most of everything that we are, our whole world, is water. Your body is made up of at least 65% water. That's what we is. We're water. Is, are. <laughs> Yet, we read in chapter 22, verse 1, of a new water. Look at verse 22, chapter 22, verse 1. There will be pure water, a water of life. Not a water of existence, but a water of life. Look at verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. <coughs> we will have glorified bodies sustained by the water of life coming from the throne of God, the Lamb of God. We will have bodies like Jesus' body. We will see him and will be like him, for we will see him as he is. You know what that tells me? I'm going to be like Jesus. My composition in this new, new earth, this new, this new heaven, this new universe, it's going to be something brand new, and I'll be like Jesus. And every Christian, your body 
you know, when we know of Jesus in his resurrected form after the resurrection, when he died on the cross, was buried for three days, and then he rose again the third day, we know that when he came and went, they were astounded because he would just come and go through walls. He'd just show up. He'd be here, and then he'd be another part of the country. Wow. Poof. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-boggling be a whole different way of thinking about things and what reality is now here's the question this river of life that comes from jesus that never gets old are you thirsty for that constantly to be refreshed by the lamb who flows through with this water of life that is enough for us all a third mind-blowing truth revealed in scripture the capital of heaven will be massive this description of the new jerusalem is given in great detail in verses 10 through 14 of revelation 21 again we're not there's so much here we're only able to touch on several parts of it but we're focusing on this part about what is revealed about this place that god has prepared for us and Christ, in his, all his work, has been preparing. I go to prepare a place for you. In Revelation 21, verses 10 through 14. It's one long sentence. Four verses. One long sentence. But it all revolves around this word radiance in verse 11. This place shines. Now, normally when we think of cities, we think of a bunch of people and a bunch of trash and a bunch of bad smells. And it's just, ugh. But everybody wants to be there, but it's a mess. This place is beautiful. It has 12 gates. They're massive gates built with beyond description here. And the walls of this city have 12 foundations. And the building blocks are not the things like we would think of, of concrete and rebar and, or mud bricks or whatever. They're valuable stones like jasper and sapphire and, and agate and emerald and onyx and on. And the city is pure gold. So I'm thinking, so what are all the jewelry store is going to do when everything around you is made of this stuff transparent as glass sparkling clean that's the city it's going to be 12,000 stadia huh what's a stadia what's a cubit <laughs> different measurements simply stated in simple terms this city that's revealed here in these verses in revelation 21 about heaven, this new Jerusalem, this Zion, this place is going to be 1,500 miles wide, deep, and high. It's going to be a cube squared. Interesting. This, you don't usually think of a city as being a cube, right? Just a few months ago, back in February, February 16th this year, the Saudi Arabia Prince Mohammed bin Salman announced plans for what they call the macabre. That's cube in their language. A building that is a cube. And this building that's part of their big plans for 2030. They want to have all these things done in just seven or eight years. This building will be 400 meters by 400 meters, by 400 meters, it'll be a cube. That's why they call it the cube. 
It'll be big enough to house 20 Empire State Buildings that could fit right inside this building. Um, it'd be 100 stories high or more, and this, this building could possibly house over 100,000 homes. So two or 300,000 people could live in this one building. That's what they plan for. The plan is to put this up in the next little while. And I just find it intriguing that somebody in Saudi Arabia wants to build a cube that's just massive, that is this, the highlight, the, the centerpiece for the, whole, for the whole city of Rihad. One building covering 7,335 square miles. Massive. They want to do that. And they have plans to get it done. Now, the question remains, do they start on it? It doesn't happen, but it's gonna, they're going to work on it, just like they're working on the line and working on <clears throat> a ski slope in the middle of the desert. Apparently, they're going to do that. But they've got some amazing plans going on because they want it to be the place that everybody wants to go to. <coughs> but this cube, the new heaven by comparison, this new Jerusalem will have... 200,000,000, square miles at its base and up. It will rise 780,000 stories high and capable of housing at least 100 million people. And people are coming and going all the time. These, again, these are, did I figure out all these numbers? No, I stole them from somebody else. I don't know. But, somebody, but somebody's come up with these numbers about how big this cube of the New Jerusalem will be. Think of it as just slightly smaller than our moon, but it comes down to reside right, upon, right above Israel. And from this city, we will be coming and going. Then came one of the seven angels who had had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride and the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and the gates 12 angels, and at the gates 12 angels, and the gates of the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed and on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were twelve names, the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The, the city lined four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. And all measured its, and also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysolite, and the eleventh jackalith, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and of the Lamb. 
amazing. That's what Jesus is preparing for you, Christian. Wow. Boom. Mind-boggling. Are you there? Are you comprehending this thing that God has prepared for you? Number four, heaven will be beyond our present comprehension. Some things are just so far out of our comprehension that there's no way to say it with the positive. It's like, all you can come up with is, well, it's not like. Have to deal with the negatives. We look through a glass darkly now. And when something is beyond our comprehension, we're forced to, to turn to negatives to be able to describe it. That's all we have here is negatives. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4 of chapter 21. We'll move back there. He will wipe away every tear from the eyes. No tears, no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, no sorrow. Can you comprehend a life like that? Are you ever despondent? Yep. Most of us, most of the time. That's life. But this, this city where we will live, there will be none of that. The psalmist in Psalm 6 talks about how he's languishing, how he's troubled, how he's very troubled, how he's weary of moaning, <coughs> how he's drenching his couch with his weeping, how his eyes are wasting away because of grief. That we relate to. Not a place where there are no tears or grief. Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. He will swallow up death forever. Forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. This is reality. So in heaven, you won't hear these words. Have a good day, because every day will be a good day. In fact, every day will be better than the day before. Think of that. And it never gets worse. It always gets better. Beyond comprehension. Imagine that. It's better than you can imagine, even that. So all we have are these negatives to even compare it to, but it's better than that. There's no temple there. We just read of that. Verse 22. We won't need it. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, they had place designated as the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, that one time a year, one person a year would go in that was perfectly pure as best they could, the high priest, and he had all these cleansing things happening so that and if he went and they put a rope around his leg just in case he wasn't and he died in there. But there, once a year, once a, and one, one person could come into the presence of God where God promised to be at that Ark of the Covenant, Right? This ark was a place where God promised to reside. And this high priest would go in once a year, maybe, to be able to see the presence of God. Not see God, but to be there where God was. And this room was 15 by 15 by 15, a cube. But in our new heaven, this new Jerusalem, at the center of it all, is our God. And we will worship Him every day. In his presence, not just one person, one lucky person or whatever, one chosen, 
Everyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ will be there. This is what I find incredible about this place that we will dwell. Get this. Everyone who's there is clean. No impurity. Look at verse 20, chapter 21, verse 27. Behold, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. Every one of us, Every genuine believer struggles with impurity because we sin every day. But how do we get there? Get there. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? What can make it so I can be in heaven? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need His answer And he's made that very clear. Number five, another mind-boggling thing. The best part of heaven is that God is there. Again, chapter 22, verse 1. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And we read, no longer was there anyone accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 3. And the Lamb will be there. And this whole story of the book of the Bible is the story of how the Lamb is the the answer to our problems and how He promises that if I'm there, He will answer it. And we will see His face. Look at verse 4. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. This is the story of the Lamb. Look back in chapter 21, verse 14. The twelve apostles of the Lamb. Look at verse 22. It's the temple of the Lord God the Almighty and of the Lamb. Verse 23, the lamp is the lamb. Look at verse 27, the lamb's book of life. Look at chapter 22, verse 1, the throne of God and of the lamb. You see this again in verse 3, the throne of God and of of the lamb. This is the story of the triumph of the lamb. Verse 6, when he says, it is done. We sang of this lamb who would come in roaring like a lion saying, it's done. It is finished. Not only is our debt paid in full, but now the preparation for the place called home, it's all done. The Lamb has come. This is the story of the Lamb. And this story of the Lamb shows us the truth. You see, the Lord God will be their light, their radiance. <coughs> there's no need for the sun or the moon. It doesn't say there's not a sun or a moon. could be because it's a whole new creation but there's no need for it. Chapter 21, verse 23. Heaven isn't going to be boring. We'll enjoy everything about it. The water of life from the throne of God and the Lamb. This is paradise. Here, the tree of life producing fruit constantly is illustrating to us that there is never any possibility of death, never any possibility of need. Life is secured by God Himself and of the Lamb. No longer will there be anything accursed or anything that's dying. Because of the Lamb, there's no more curse, no more sin, no more death. And all in His presence will worship Him. Just like we were singing early. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. In heaven, God will be continually blowing our minds with this mind-boggling truth. 
his power, his majesty, his glory, and his love, and every day it gets better. Ephesians chapter 2, in the ages to come, he will show us the exceeding riches of his grace. These things are mind-boggling. What we know will be gone. We know everything will be new of a whole new kind. It'll be massive. It'll be beyond comprehension. And best of all, God will be there in the person of the Lamb, Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. But there's another mind-boggling truth. Many will not be there. There's a saying that uh, there are three surprises in heaven. Who is there? Who isn't there? And that you were there. (laughs) How in the world does that happen? Look at verse 8, Revelation 21. But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for murderers and the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You've got to go back and read Revelation 14, beginning verse 9. It's the most terrible description of hell. You skip ahead to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. You see this great white throne judgment that has to be. And you start reading in Revelation 20, verse 14. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These aren't my words. These are God's words. Revelation 21, verse 27, nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the question is, how do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Is there any hope of that? And I'm here to say, yes, there is. And Jesus is the answer. Look at chapter 22, verse 16. Focus in with me on this. Chapter 22, verse 16. Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify, to get you the good news, get you the word, to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. Everything the Old Testament promised, all that Isaiah talked about, about this root that would come, that would be this this promised one, this anointed one of the Lamb of God, the Lamb that would take away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is, and he's accomplished that. And not only that, he's the bright morning star. He's the one who comes with this heaven in place to come to this earth and to be our light forever. The darkness of this insane world will give way to the brightness of God's glorious kingdom, his heaven on earth, this new Jerusalem. And all the universe will become what we use for him and his glory. Jesus himself will capture our attention as the one who ushers in the brand new day, the one true bright and morning star. Wow, this is beyond comprehension, mind-boggling. So we keep on reading. The Spirit and the bride say, come. That's your invitation. And let the one who hears say, come. That's your invitation. And let the one who is thirsty come. That's your invitation. Let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. Without, there's, there's no charge 
It's free. Come and take it. But as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Just come. How do you get your name in the Lamb's book of life? Just come. It's free. Those who respond to the invitation are those who will be in heaven. If you say no, he won't force it upon you. There's only a one other option. It's this lake which burns with fire and brimstone. It's the second death. But he says, come. And the fact that you're hearing this today, you have the invitation. Come. Come. And a third time, he says, come and take of this water of life. Now, you may be sitting in a church auditorium. You may be listening online. You may have heard this all your life saying, oh, yeah, I've heard all that stuff before. But unless you come, unless you take of this, you will miss out on the eternal heaven that is so good. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. So I'm asking you to search your own heart, even as we wrap up this service. Am I truly believing in Jesus? Have I come? Have I responded to his invitation? Am I following him as my Lord and my Savior? And see, this book, the Bible, is the truth, and we can count on it. And life is all about Christ. He's our Lord and our God. And our response to the gospel changes everything for all eternity. Your opportunity to be with him in heaven all comes out into this response. Will you come as he gives you the invitation? Will you come? And God's love is motivating you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting forever life. Just come. Heaven is real. Lay up for your treasures. Lay up your treasures in heaven. It's going to last forever. Oh God, there's coming a day. We will sing holy, holy, holy. I pray that everyone here would take very seriously what you've revealed in your word, which I've sought to describe as accurately as possible, the reality of heaven. May that give us perspective in a day gone crazy, but may it give us hope for eternal day in your presence. May we have the joy of the Lord, and in your presence is fullness of joy every day better than the day before. We'll trust you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name.